Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. for GMs and owners and you wanted them to know anything right now, what would you say? Let's role play. Talk to me. I'm the GM. <laughs> <laughs> come on, come on. You doing method <laughs> yeah, yeah, come on. Come watch this. Because I'm the GM. Let's play it. Let's hey, go. got you here today. So, let me come in and compete. I mean, you, you have your roster. You had a team. Let me come in and compete, show you what I can do. Well, Cap, you know, you know, football, it's all about eliminating distractions. Like, how do I know if I bring you in and I sign you that you're going to make my locker room better, that you're going to bring us together? One, you can know by experience. My coach, Jim Harbaugh, spoke to it. My coach, Chip Kelly, spoke to it and said that I made the locker room better. I came in, I prepared, I made the team better. That 2016 season, my last year, my teammates voted me the most courageous and inspirational player. So when you're talking about the people that are actually in the building, that has never come out that I've been a distraction. It's never come out that I've been an issue from the people I played with. Cap, can I keep it real with you, Cap? This is between you and I. Don't tell nobody. $16 billion industry, Cap. What about our fan base? What do we say to our fan base? Like, how, like what are they going to say? I say you have and racism in the back of your end zone. You got Black Lives Matter on your helmet. Mm. <laughs> Everything I've said should be in alignment with what you're saying publicly. Mm. <laughs> it's a $16 billion business. When I, first, when I first took a knee, my jersey went to number one. When I did the deal with Nike, their value increased by $6 billion. $6 billion. Mm. With a B. Mm. With a B. With a B. So, we acting. Come on, stay in mode. Talk, 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 man. You broke character. You broke character. Talk, talk. So, if you're talking about the business side, it makes sense. It shows beneficial. If you're talking about the playing side, come in, let me compete. You can evaluate me from there. The NFL is supposed to be a meritocracy. Come in, let me compete. If I'm not good enough, get rid of me. But let me come in and show you. Man, I, I don't know what else they need to see or hear. And, and it's not that they need to see or hear anything. We know that. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. today we heard from Colin Kaepernick in, a, in an interview setting, um, a casual interview setting, uh, in a way that we don't typically hear from him. I don't know that we have really heard from him in the last five, six years like that. Um, <laughs> bottom line is, man, we got 31 cowards owning NFL teams. Because I'm watching that and I'm listening to his, him have an answer for every moving of the goalpost question that Brandon Marshall did a fantastic job of, of role playing because they're just going to find excuses, whether it's, right. you know, the, the red herring of the locker room or, you know, the, the, the fan base. They're going to just keep finding reasons to not give this man a second opportunity. But I listen to every answer from him and I say to myself, how bad could it really be? And maybe I'm being naive. Maybe that you know, segment of the fan base 
is really, you know, just maybe that segment of the fact that that vocal minority, as, as, as we say, is, is going to be louder than I believe. But six years later, I know the world hasn't changed much, but the movement and the protest that Colin Kaepernick started has has spread. It's been co-opted in many respects to where it's like, do you mean to tell me that if somebody were to bring in Colin Kaepernick for a workout, Michael, or even sign him as a backup, which he says he's willing to be, is that any worse than the backlash the Browns just got for signing Deshaun Watson to a fully guaranteed $230 well, million dollar contract? Is that any worse? Would that be any worse than the backlash that the commanders have gotten? I, I, I And the reason I'm asking that rhetorically, Michael, because I believe that the fan base has become convenient cover. Ain't about the fans. It's yeah. about friends and family. Right. It's about the right, friends right. and family. It, it is about these owners showing their true colors and the fact that this is personal and not business because it makes bottom line business and football business sense to bring in Colin Kaepernick for a workout if not if not sign him. It's personal because they want to continue to blackball him or whiteball him if you prefer. They got an axe to grind with him. This is about not wanting to explain themselves to their inner circle, which clearly lacks diversity in terms of race, ethnicity, and diversity of thought. They don't want to. They don't want to have to explain to their their friends and their families and their country club buddies why they went and signed the troublemaker, why they didn't continue right. to make an example out of him, even though so many others have followed his lead in the years since. So the idea that the fans are going to be an uproar and they're going to boycott your team and you're going to lose money. Dang, I didn't do it. He, he, he just debunked yeah. that, did he not? Yeah, I mean, it, it's not it's not about the fans and I'm going to take it further. It's not just the uh, owners, Mike. Not just the owners, owners, general managers and his coaches. Because at some point, somebody who wants Colin Kaepernick on the team really truly wants him on the team is looking for a quarterback and looking to save uh, their job is willing to really push for any kind of option. The best option av available. We're going to see it. We're out in Vegas when we're out there for the draft. There are going to be some teams who reach for quarterbacks because they're down to their last option. Some people like Matt rule have their jobs on the line, so they will reach for a quarterback in the draft. Uh, Matt Rule and Carolina already reached for uh, Cam Newton, brought him back uh, second time <laughs> around after failing. Uh, so, so teams really are are always looking for a quarterback. So, what does and, that tell you? Uh, okay. Yeah. What, uh, what does that tell you? you? Can you still hear me? Can you still hear me? You yeah. Yeah. You me? good? Yeah. Why? Why? Uh, you, you no, lose? Just, yeah. You good? Yeah. Just audio. Audio but, changed a little bit, but that's oh, all right. Well, but what, but what does that? Uh, what does that? What does that tell wait, you? What does that tell you? What does it tell you? that it's an excuse not to bring in Colin Kaepernick because he actually stood up for racial justice. Or no, I'm saying what does that tell you about? No, I'm saying what does that tell you in terms of the? I would venture to say, tell me if tell me if you agree with this. I think there are coaches who wouldn't mind bringing him in for a workout or potentially signing him looking at what they have in their quarterback room already. I think there are coaches who wouldn't mind. I think they just know that it's a lost cause with their bosses. I don't know. I, I would I would like to see that. I'd like to hear that even after a coach gets dismissed. I'd like to hear that uh, off the record. 
I like to hear some whispers mm -hmm. about that. Hey, I wanted to bring in Colin Kaepernick or right. hey, sources say this guy wanted you need a, to bring you need him a Mike in, Malarkey. You need a Mike Malarkey over, yeah. to, to do it on a podcast. Give me some of that. <laughs> yeah. Give me some of that. Because yeah. short of that, I, I'm putting them all in the same category. And, and that fair. may be unfair, but give me a reason. No, no, it is fair. It is. To think differently. It is. Yeah. And so I, I feel for Colin Kaepernick in this sense. He's probably not going to get an opportunity. And if he does get an opportunity, it will be so late. It maybe it's in two years or three years. It will be it will be so late that the line, well, he just can't play anymore, will actually be true. But, well, that's what that was you know, the whole point to get to this point. What is it? You know, what is he? Thirty five? No, he's not thirty five. Is he? How old is he now? He can't be that old now. Well, I mean, I listen, should I should know this. But he's been out of the league for five I mean, years, six, five, six years. Out of the league for so yeah, yeah. No, actually, I got it right here. Colin Kaepernick is thirty four. Okay, I wasn't wrong. He's thirty four. Yeah. He's been out of the league for five, six years. Um, that's an excuse that I'm sure many of them have. Oh, well, you know, he's been out of the game so long, the game's passed him by. He doesn't have it anymore. Well, how do you know if you don't bring him in for a workout? They just, they just don't want to do it. But this is why I say it's good business. Because and remember I told you a million times, it pissed me off when Roger Goodell said, our fans want our players to stand. Yeah. This is before he came back and did a 180 and took one for the team and said, we were wrong. We should have listened to our players when he had no right. choice but to say that. But our fans, I was always like, well, which fans? Which fans are you talking about? And so now, if you were to bring in Colin Kaepernick, I, I'm shocked that nobody, even some, you know, some PR person, some PR intern, you know, in New York in the league office hadn't said, hey, you know what, guys? Since y'all being sued for racial discrimination by Brian Flores and others, what if we just sign Colin Kaepernick? Maybe that'll throw him off the scent a little bit. You know, because right. the end racism and it takes all of us, that's kind of, they, they saw through that from day one. The lift every voice and sing, they saw through that from day one. These committees ain't cutting it. We need some good PR. Let's, let's sign Colin Kaepernick. And a whole different fan base might just, despite the injustice that's already been done to this man, a whole different fan base might embrace this game in this league in a way that they haven't in the last right. five or six years or the way they haven't at all before. Imagine the goodwill we could garner by, by I don't know, doing the right thing. What a concept. Goodwill, but then, but then, then the counter to that is yeah, goodwill for some, and then others mm -hmm. say, I'm done with the NFL because the NFL has embraced. They laid the you know, dollar short. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know you know how the talking points go, but I, I would say also for Colin Kaepernick, who, who gave a great interview to the I Am Athlete podcast, great interview. He said NFL is supposed to be a meritocracy, supposed to be, it's supposed to be, but what it actually is is a selective meritocracy. So there are certain things that are unacceptable depending on who you are. If you are the 51st guy on the roster and, you, and you're very disrespectful uh, to women, or if you are uh, just a, just what, we would consider just incorrigible when it comes to crime, then you're not going to be on the roster. But if you're uh, in the top 10 or top 15 on the roster, they'll make an excuse for it. If you're a great quarterback and you decide to take a knee, sure, uh, you can stay in the league. If you're somebody like Colin Kaepernick, who was on a bad team and was like a borderline starter uh, for, for that bad team, it will cost you. So we, we, we go back and forth on this a meritocracy when it comes to coaches. If you do everything you're supposed to do, if you 
jump through all the hoops and you have everything you're supposed to on your CV on your resume. Yeah, you're supposed to get an opportunity and it, it, it's supposed to be an even playing field for you, but we know that that's not true. So it's a, it's a selective meritocracy and he's finding it sure. out and they're choosing in this selective meritocracy to keep him out of the club. And I'm afraid that he's going to be out of the club for uh, yeah, no, I, I'm not wrong. I'm but, not holding my breath when yeah. when 45 got up at a I'll never forget it. This was this would have been 20. I want to say 2017. 2017 I feel like it was 2017 40, yeah. 40. Yeah, 45 got up in Alabama and said fire that son of a bitch. Get him off the yeah. field. They take a knee. I was like, he's done. I was like, he'll never play again. Um. And I haven't wavered from that despite organized, some would call them sham workouts, despite lip service from people like Pete Carroll. I've never gotten my hopes up that Colin Kaepernick would ever get a shot in the NFL again. God bless him for not giving up on his passion and his dream as he talked about. And not that he would be giving up on himself, he'd be giving up on them to come around to doing the right thing. Um, having said that though, it's still nonetheless puzzling. Because you just talked about the draft, Michael. Some teams, with all due respect to, to the quarterback prospects in this class, one of whom we hope to talk to later in the show, some team is going to reach for a quarterback because there's still, despite all the young stud quarterbacks in this league, there's still a dearth of quality starting quarterbacks. There are still coaches like a Matt Rule that you referenced earlier whose jobs are going to be dependent on whether they have a good quarterback or not. And they're going to expend premium draft capital on a quarterback. Or in other cases, they're going to go and trade premium draft capital and players as the case may be for a quarterback and then give that quarterback hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, tens of millions of dollars, a hundred million dollars, whatever it is in order to have that guy long term. They, they don't really need a young one. They want a cheap one. Here's a guy saying, just bring me in for a workout. Let me compete. I don't want nobody to give me nothing. Open up the door and I'll get it myself. Just let him compete. Right. But like I said before, the problem is, I think they're really scared of looking bad because he might look a little too good. But if I'm an owner and I'm actually, I Michael, this will ring a bell, Michael. I'll, I'll, I'll land it with this. This will ring a bell. If I'm an owner and I actually want to win, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay with looking bad. Yeah. I'm okay with looking bad because we shut him out for the last five, six seasons. But now I got a inexpensive, proven commodity versus somebody coming out of college. That's a projection. Yeah. Well, look. Don't we all know it by now? I mean, is it is anybody buying the talking points on Colin Kaepernick? Don't we know why he's not in the league? Isn't it obvious? Oh yeah. Oh, of course. Of course. I'm and just wondering so with the passage he, of it's been obvious, but with the passage passage of time, I just wonder why somebody hasn't mustered up the courage and the common sense to say, wait a second, this could make sense. Dollars okay, answer. That's that's true. That's true. But how how about this? Is there and, and the responsibility is not the word I'm looking for because all right, yeah, NFL media didn't create the Colin Kaepernick situation, but is there would there be a little bit of pressure if you have NFL insiders and NFL commentators and NFL people constantly bringing up Colin Kaepernick constantly, you know, writing about it, tweeting about it, uh, going on their pl whatever platform you have podcasting about it saying, 
Wow, can you believe it? And you have a you have a count. It's been X amount of days, you know, 1200 days since Colin Kaepernick I've last seen played do in the that. NFL. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but is that is that something that needs to will, will that create needle? more pressure depending on who it is? Uh, for, for example, for example, I, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm not like us. Them, trust me, I'm not, no, 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 but like us, know. it's like it's white. It's, it's yeah. white noise coming from us at this point for them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. But how, how about um, how about people with a little more juice? For example, Peyton Manning does his cat, you know, game cast, whatever, with his brother. Why not bring him on? Why not, you know, Peyton Manning and Eli Manning bring on Colin Kaepernick as a guest on mm. ESPN and yeah. say, hey, um, you're out of football and we think you should be in the league. Okay, like, what, what are you thinking? What are you seeing here? How, you know, talk about the game, talk about the issues, just like what they do with everybody else. They brought on celebrities. They brought on athletes, non-athletes. So why not push their agenda or promote their product? Yeah, no question. Well, is and and I'm not and and I have to be clear. I'm not saying well, they could they could uh, solve this problem. I know they didn't create the problem. Sure, but if you have people with a higher pro like on the highest profile in sport. Yeah, when they do Monday night football, when they do Thursday night football, Sunday night football. I'm close to home now. I'm getting close when it comes to coaches. We've talked about, I mean, but just in general, when it comes to racism, or as a case may be, when it comes to sexism and misogyny and patriarchy, it takes men to dismantle that system, be a broken record, and say it takes white people to do this. I thought where you were going to go when you brought up Peyton Manning is like, just like, just like, and I'll, I'll, I'll just go across the spectrum. Just like Tom Brady has all this personnel authority. Just like Aaron Rodgers demanded all this personnel authority and say when it comes to the roster. Just like Russell Wilson wanted more say in Seattle. Um, all of these quarterbacks controlling their own destiny and, and, rec- and can recruit players. And, you know, Derek Carr just got his boy, Devontae Adams. You're an extension of management at the quarterback position. White quarterbacks, racism ain't going to end until it becomes white people's problem, which is counterintuitive because they benefit from this systemic racism. So, but nonetheless, if a white franchise quarterback decided, hey, I want Colin Kaepernick in my quarterback room, I think a team would have to probably listen. More so than even mainstream white media pushing it. It's funny you said that though, Michael, too, because you know, I don't want I don't want to I don't want to ignore Colin Kaepernick because we because we know what it is. Like right. we know he's not gonna right. get, like we're, we're resigned to the fact that he's not gonna get another job again. God bless him for not being resigned to that, but we're resigned that he's not gonna get another job in the NFL. But I think you're right. It's like that's what they want us to do is just turn the page and forget about him and not keep talking about it and not keep applying pressure. So whatever little pressure this little show could, could, could apply. That's one of the reasons why we wanted to do it today. You know, because he talked to I am athlete and as there is a news value to it, but as time has passed it it has kind of receded from the front pages. Yeah, just like a lot of a lot yeah. of issues recede from the from the from the front pages and, you and they asked trust a great that question. we're gonna we're gonna move on to the next thing. You asked a great question and it's it's a question that 
that we can continue to go back to and, and wrestle with because the, the answers will change. Well, the answer may change a little bit, but there are different layers to this question you asked. You asked it at the Super Bowl. Hey, are we part of the problem? Are we part of the problem in different contexts? Hey, this is in the NFL. We're talking about these NFL issues, yet we're here hyping up the Super Bowl. Yeah. And is that part of the issue? And we talked to we're still buying Eddie Glow Sal's about famous it. pizza. Yeah. And, yeah. and Professor Globe was like, hey, if you're not there, if you guys aren't there, they'll bring in somebody else and they may not take it to the level that you're taking it to. So you're not yeah. really solving the problem by stepping away. You're doing your part. I just wonder if, um, you know, it as we, as, as not just media, but fans too. You know, that, that those numbers, as he said, with the B, those Bs yeah. keep going up. At one point, it was 10 billion, then it was 12, 14, 16 billion. Salary cap goes up. Broadcasters are getting more money. It costs more to get NFL rights. All these numbers are going up. Fans are flocking. Will, will fans say, wait a minute? Hey, I can, I can do both. I can enjoy football, but also criticize the league for not having a worthy or player just, in the league. Or just to be broader, the money that they fear, that they supposedly, allegedly, fear that they would lose. But bringing back again, Colin Kaepernick long ceased being the only person. He was he started a movement, but he's not the only member of that movement standing up against police brutality and, and racial injustice. But let's say by him being the face of it, there would be backlash and sponsors would leave and heaven forbid some fans would turn away forever, right? What if the reverse were true? I know there are, there are a lot of people, specifically black people in this country, who do not yeah. F with the NFL ever since they blackballed Colin Kaepernick. If more did that, I'm not going to put it on black people to solve the problem, like you just said, but if more people kept their dollars and their support, their patronage from the NFL and make them feel those same side effects that they would feel if they sign them or they think they would feel. Or conversely, what about the boom that will come to their business if they sign them? Imagine that. Imagine how many people would come and embrace the NFL, but... It's too much like right. It makes too much sense. Anyway, good for him for uh, doing that interview. Good for I Am Athlete. That was, uh, that was compelling. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. For your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Oh, 
what's the feeling like to be able to win a game in this fashion, come back from when they had you down 107, 102, it seemed like they were a couple of plays maybe from closing it out and then come back and then win in this fashion? Um, you know, those are the best games. Um, the games that are the most rewarding, um, the most fun, just as a competitor. You know, we up 15 and we go down five. Uh, and I think, you know, in those last, you know, three three minutes, uh, the only thing you got to do is just try to figure it out. Uh, you know, play as hard as you can, make the right play, compete, and figure it out. Um, and when you do that and, you know, you win a game like that, um, it feels good. It feels really good. Nothing new when I come into this building, what it's going to be like, but it's the same energy they have for me, and I'm going to have the same energy for them. And it's not every fan. I don't want to attack every fan, every Boston fan. But, um, you know, when people start yelling and you and all this stuff, it's but so much you can take uh, as a competitor. And, um, you know, we're the ones expected to be docile and be humble and take a humble approach. Nah, that's the playoffs. This is what it is. You know, I, I've, I know what to expect in here. And it's the same energy I'm giving back to them. It is what it is. I'm not really focused on it. It's fun. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, again, it's where I'm from, I, I've dealt with so much. So coming in here, it, you relish it as a competitor. And, and this is, uh, you know, I'm going to keep repeating myself when I say again, but this isn't my first time in TD Garden. So what you guys saw and what you guys think is as entertainment or the fans think is entertainment, all is fair in competition, you know. So if some, somebody's going to call me out of my name, I'm going to look at them straight in the eye and see if they really about it. Most of the time they're not. Wow. You know, you know, I like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, you I knew know, you, I'm you would. I knew you would like that. I knew you would. I knew you would like that part. Listen, <laughs> listen. Like, hey, man, there's just so much. There's so much to just kind of like, there's so many threads from this game. You just kind of pull them apart. Pick one. There's Start just whichever one you want. Right here. And as you, as you can see, uh, plenty of time from the shot clock. Uh, he got that off well in time. They had a quick review after the game. Jason Tatum made that layup in plenty of time. They went in at the buzzer. Uh, win it by a point. Go up one zip in this Eastern Conference first round series. That's going to be a lot of fun. Celtics, Nets. There are a lot of relationships uh, in, in this series where this guy used to be here. You know, somebody used to be in Brooklyn. Somebody used to be in Boston. They played in the Olympics together. They went to college together. There's always, there's so many uh, carryovers uh, in, in this series. And I just think that uh, after watching it yesterday, it's going to be one of the most fun uh, first round series that we've seen in the last five or 10 years. I'm not exaggerating. Um, so there's that. But then there's also what Kyrie said there. What happened with Kyrie? So Kyrie, uh, I, I, I can't wait to see the fine, Mike, because it wasn't just one bird. He actually put three birds up in the air, you know, two at a time. He had, he had a two, then he had one. So a total of three birds during the game. He had the crying eyes, like, stop crying. Y'all crying too much. That was during the game. Post game, uh, he didn't take the... Hey, you know, I let my emotions get the best of me. You know, these things happen. It was the heat of the moment. I apologize. No, <laughs> he said, hey, and, and you do it to me again. I'm going to give you the same energy. So 
I'm actually, I'll, 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 leave, I'll leave you with this. I'm, I'm going to pass it to you. I'm going to do a market smart to Jason Tatum on, you on, on this one. I think in the case of Kyrie versus the Celtics, nobody is really getting what they want. So Celtics fans, if you're trying to throw Kyrie Irving off his game, it's not working. The opposite. It's not working. It's not working. So they, they want to do something to affect the outcome. They're not affecting the outcome. They're affecting his work on the court, like right there. But it's not really, it's not making a difference between winning and losing. And Kyrie, he's annoyed. He's annoyed, and he wants them to stop. He's not distracted, but he's annoyed, clearly, by Boston fans. And he has been for a couple of years. So they will continue to annoy him. They're not going to stop. He's going to continue uh, to, to play his game. Boston fans will continue to, to cheer him, I mean, to boo him, and hope that he misses a free throw or misses a big shot because of their, uh, of their comments. That's not going to work. So you really have two sides fighting each other, not really getting what they want to get. And it I'll start continue. with the series. I'll start with the series, micro and macro. Um, that last play. So it was a it was a kind of a rough weekend for your boy. Um, had a marquee hoops tournament in Massachusetts, um, and we went one and two, but we don't lose. We learn. That's not bad. Okay. That's not bad. We went one and two. One a game. Um, you know, and we're, the first two we definitely had opportunity to win. Won the second one. Third one we just didn't we didn't want it bad enough. Quite simply, that's what that's what I lost sleep about last night. Um, and one of the things I keep preaching to the kids is, is trust. Um, even when things aren't going well. Um, and I can't wait till practice this evening um, to ask him, did everybody see the last play in Celtics Nets? Because first, they give themselves an opportunity by doubling Kyrie, who dribbled way too much, left left uh, Kevin Durant out to dry, having to take a tough shot over Tatum, who defended Durant beautifully all night. So they get the stop they needed. M.A. Udoka doesn't call timeout. Doesn't let the Nets set their defense. Brilliant tactical decision there to not call timeout. They come down, again, yeah. trusting his players. So now here's Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown attacks, doesn't force the issue, kicks it over to Marcus Smart. I know everybody's seen it, but I'm in t- I'm, there's, there's a point to me going frame by frame. I know everybody's seen the play. Uh, kicks it over to Marcus Smart, and that what a smart basketball play, pun intended, to mm-hmm. sit there and decide I'm a pump fake and hit again. Jason Tatum cutting to the basket. Taking advantage of Kevin Durant ball watching. They made eye contact. It was just such, it was such a beautiful, it was such a awesome. thing of beauty. It was beautiful basketball yeah. at both ends. It was just beautiful team basketball at both ends. And it was a teachable moment and a teaching tool for coaches everywhere about being unselfish when the game is on the line, but still experiencing the joy of victory as a team. It's beautiful. Either Jalen Brown or Marcus Smart could have decided. I'm gonna be the hero and take the last shot and take the last shot. But the ball ends up in the best player's hands and he gets a, a spinning layup. Everybody goes home happy. I'm happy with yours truly's uh, very, uh, very much what was a cop out of a prediction 
because this is going to be a fun series and please let us get seven games of this is another way of saying I can't call it, <laughs> which is what I said last week. <laughs> like, because remember, remember what I told you? I said, here's what I could see. Here's what I can't see happen. I can't see Brooklyn winning a short series. I cannot right. see Brooklyn winning in four or five games. I could see either team winning in six or seven, and I could see the Celtics winning a quick series, albeit a competitive Got series. It. But you covered everything but there. Pretty much. Well, but I'm saying, but after that, but after that one game, do you know which way this series is going? All we can hope for yeah, is I'm that it's going night. the distance. I'm sticking. No, I mean you may have yeah, you may have made a prediction. Original. Okay, but the, okay, you may have made a prediction, but there is absolutely nothing Celtics. about that game that you look at and you say, "Oh, they're a the better team," or they are they in control of this yeah. series. Oh yeah, they wanted they wanted they wanted a buzzer beater, and they almost blew up. They were up by 15 and blew that 15 point lead. But the series. What about that game tells you that? I'll take it. I'll take. I'll take it back if I have to, but uh, the, the series is not going to play out like this. It's not going to every game is not going to come down to it. Uh, the the last second, I think. Remind Celtics me your prediction. Six. Celtics. Well, that's six. a long series. That's a long series. Well, I mean, sure. I mean, that'd be Celtics seven to be seven. long. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think they're. I mean, the only reason I give it in six, you know, you take away uh, take away one of those players. I'm giving each great player a game. I'm giving Kyrie one. He almost had it yesterday. I'm giving Kyrie a game. I'm giving. Uh, KD a game, but I, I, Brooklyn is not a, uh, a Dan Shaughnessy, your former colleague at the Boston Globe, wrote one of the funniest lines I've read in in, in the last month. Uh, he wrote on Saturday. He said, "We know that the Nets could win a championship this year." <laughs> is that okay? Come on. I don't know if the Celtics going to win a championship. I know Brooklyn's not. They're not a championship team. Celtics are better, so I expect the Celtics to win it in six. It's going to be an entertaining series. I'll be Celtics are better. The 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 the, the, the matter of factness in which you said that. They're, yes. They were no one point better yesterday. One yesterday, point it's a and, series. And at point three seconds. It's a series. Great, great, great. It's a series. I, look, I told you, Mike. I'll take it back if I have to. There's no question. Uh, Brooklyn, Brooklyn has an unbelievable all-time great player in Kevin Durant. They got a top twenty player. I think in they got Kyrie two. Irving. They got two all-time. I think Kyrie Irving's all-time great too. No, 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 no he's too. not that. He's not. That. I, I don't see him that way. Kyrie Irving's not all-time great. Okay. All right. No. Agree to disagree. He didn't make the seventy-five. He made. He didn't even make the top seventy-five, did he? Uh, well, there's a lot of people on that list that a lot of people like who. But go ahead. Has he ever? Well, well, they don't know their history. Uh, has he ever been a first team all NBA player? I don't think so. So is look, that the only he, like, all time great player? No, I'm just saying like, okay, he's he's a terrific talent, but let's not go. I, I don't want to go too far and say I've never seen a player better than Kyrie Irving. I have. Oh, wait, now, wait, Kevin Durant, Brown? wait, 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 this okay. wait, wait a minute. So, I didn't say I, that. I, either. Gave him, I said he's a, <laughs> you can be all time great 20, and not be the best player we've ever a, seen. <laughs> Wait a minute. I called him a top <laughs> 20 player in the NBA. That's high pra- top 20. In no, the but league? You, said, yo, you, you started by saying they have one all time great player. I'm like, no, all time. Like, yeah. I think Kyrie's an all time great trend, player. I would say transcendent, like out of your okay. like, just special, okay. unique, oh, you know, all okay. that. Generation. So I think, okay. I think KD, all right. All right. KD is on another level uh, than oh, Kyrie, okay. in my opinion. So no, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, okay. 
but they're, right. but their team, I, I don't think they are a great basketball team. I think they got a lot of flaws that those guys will hide for them. I think they're flat out. They are a bad defensive team. They're just bad. Not no, not below average. They're bad. And, and they didn't okay. play bad yesterday, but they are over the course of a series. You'll see it. I, I just expect this. Uh, I, I expect the, the Celtics the to win the series. I'll be Celtics are a great. The Celtics are a great defensive team and didn't look it until they needed to at the end right. of the game, uh, which that's all that matters, right? They got the stop that they needed to get the to get the bucket that they needed. Yeah, are the Celtics did the Celtics have a better season this year? Yes, which is another way of saying are the Celtics the better team based on their body of work this season. Yes. yes, but are they the better team in this series? I feel like yes. that remains to be seen and I'm okay being neutral about that because well, it's, unfortunately, it's, a, it's, a, it's a it's about a matchup. It's not about you being the second seed in the Eastern Conference. It's not about you being the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference for a variety of reasons, be they injuries or vaccination status or poor roster construction to your point about their defensive deficiencies. In this series, you can't sit up here and tell, okay, well, look, you can. You can do what you want to do because you're a grown-ass yeah, man. Right. I will not receive somebody sitting up here telling me that if one team is clearly better when that team one at the buzzer. Well, okay. If it's if it's like your tournament you played in Massachusetts or if it's the NCAA tournament where you're one and done, that is valid. In a in a in a NBA series, no. Uh, if the Celtics have won by 15, are they 15 points better than Brooklyn? No. If Brooklyn won that game, are they better than the Celtics? No. Over the course of the series, the better team will be revealed. And I'm so wait, confident in saying if Brooklyn if Brooklyn had won that game yesterday, you would still feel like the Celtics. So you'd come in here and be like the Celtics are still a better yeah. team. And over the course yeah, yeah, of this, yeah, okay. yeah, I think that, listen, oh yeah, no, no question. Yeah, yeah I have nothing you saw yesterday. Yeah, no, no, no. Nothing you saw yesterday I should change is, your mind. If you had Celtics in okay. six, you're in good shape. Nothing should change your mind. I just felt like this is just the way you were like, oh, the Celtics are better. I'm like, well, really? They are. Are they? They are. I, this is what I think. This you is know, what I think like, uh, not, about Brooklyn. Not like head, head and shoulders better or like well, just, just, marginally this, this better. better. Team. I think this, if if Kyrie had been vaccinated all season long, I know it's a big if. Kyrie's vaccinated all season long, they still make the James Harden trade. So they got the same personnel, uh, but they had Kyrie. No Ben Simmons, but they got Kyrie and KD the entire season. I think Brooklyn wouldn't have been in the play-in. Brooklyn would be where Toronto is right now. I think they're like the I think they're about the fifth best team in the East. Yeah, I think I think they're I think they like five, five or six. That's what I think they are. And they wind up with this. They wind up with the seven seed. But I so think they're like this. All right. Yeah, I'm saying All right, based okay, on regular, I think okay, yeah, standings okay. aside. I like other I like Milwaukee more than I like uh, Brooklyn. I like Boston more than I like Brooklyn. I like Philadelphia more than I like uh, Brooklyn. I like um, Miami. I think Miami is a better team than Brooklyn. That's, I mean, there it is. That's just, but, okay. you know, I, I think what happens, and this, I'm not surprised that you feel this way because you did the same thing last year in the same situation. Phoenix and the Lakers. You mean it? Same two, two seven. You mean to tell me a team with LeBron James? And Anthony Davis not gonna get out of the first round. You got two of the top five players in basketball. Blah that's blah not blah. That's what blah. I said. Yeah. Yes, you. That's not yes, what I'm did. saying about. That's not what. I'm, oh yes, that's exactly not what I'm saying said. about this series. That's exactly. No, what that's not said. what I'm saying about. That's not what I'm saying about this series. I I, re, I reject the premise. First of all, that team was up two one. I hate to sound like Anthony Davis, but that team was up two one. 
for the record. And then what happened? Secondly, it was a I'm not saying. Then what I, happened? I'm not saying. I'm not reducing the fact that the well, Anthony Davis got hurt in that series. Okay, I'm not. I don't care. I don't I'm care. Not, I don't care. They lost four. I know two. you don't care. They no, I know you don't two. care because all you care, all you care about is no. Because all I care about is right. results. I got it. No, yeah, all exactly. I care about you is turned results. out to be right. Doesn't matter how you got there. It does. I know you don't care no, about Kevin Durant's shoe size. No, it doesn't. I know you don't matter. care about Kevin Durant's shoe size. What matters is that the Bucks beat the Nets. <laughs> I, I know. I get it. I get it. I get it. I, I'm not arguing with the result. I'm, I know what happened. This is not revisionist history. What I'm saying regarding okay. this series. I'm in no way suggesting that just because the Nets are rolling out Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving that they're somehow better than the Celtics or they should win this series. I'm only this is a very small and nuanced nit that I am picking. I'm only taking exception with you just so casually and cavalierly saying, oh yeah, Boston's better. Okay, they were this close from being down 0-1, which I guess it goes back to shoe yeah. size. Before we go to break. Sure. Um, so what? Have it only counts in horseshoes. It only counts. Sometimes in horseshoes. the worst. Yeah, sometimes uh, the worst team wins. Yeah. Hank, again. Ho- horseshoes Horse and hand grenades, right? Then they lose. Kyrie Irving. <laughs> Kyrie Irving. Yeah. I ain't even get to him yet, and I'll try to make this. Yeah, clear. we gotta talk about him. Let's talk about him. They. Go ahead. They, well, we got we got company standing by, so I don't want to go too long. I would just say. Yeah. Like. They're human too, and yeah, I think I'm pretty consistent on this. I don't know that I have ever taken exception with a player giving it back to fans. Hell, maybe we wouldn't have fans gluing and chaining themselves to shit if more people, <laughs> if more if more players kept the, took it upon yeah. themselves to police these fans. They feel like they're part of the game. And if you want to be part of the game, you can get this yeah. work too. So I'm I, I, sorry, if fans are going to be unruly and be profane and hurl insults at players, why can't we, why can't they talk back? Again, they I can't. quote Michael Fassbender's. I quote Michael Fassbender, Steve Jobs. Whoever said the customer was was always right. I promise you, was a customer. Right. The customer is not always right. Just because you pay for that ticket, don't mean you get to call me out my name. Right. So if, if you know you, you get flipped off, we all adults here. Clearly, you want to be a part of the action. Cool, you can get this action. Meanwhile, I'm giving your team hey, thirty. No, I agree with that. Albeit in defeat. So that define, you know keep you fine. It's money yeah. well spent, as far as I'm concerned, because principalities involved here, Smokey. It's about the principle of the thing. Okay. Yeah. So it's money well I, spent, as far as I'm concerned. Look, I agree. I, I agree with that. I agree that, like, as he said, are you, you know, I look at them. Are you about it? Most of the time, they're not about it. So that's one. But I, but here's, I'm gonna take it beyond Kyrie. He shouldn't have to be in this position. Now, the Celtics did a great job last year when somebody threw a water bottle at Kyrie after he decided to stomp on their logo. He stomped on Lucky the Leprechaun. He stomped on the logo after game four in the playoffs last year. Somebody threw a water bottle at him as he was walking through the tunnel. Celtics had the video. They banned the guy from TD Garden for life. life. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's good. At some point, it's not just about Kyrie. It's about people around him. I ain't trying to hear that. I'm at a basketball game. I'm just trying to enjoy the game. What I about the kids? To call him a what a about this the kids? And a that you know? Hey, right, about I mean, the kids. Yeah, How about me? How about yeah, me? Exactly. My, yeah. I, I ain't come to hear you. No, well, you, you thank Andrew you. Dice Clay. Did, okay, did babe, not I, say, I ain't trying to hear you. Did not say we need to have some hard 
pipe hitting people to come and go to work on the homies with some pliers and a blowtorch. We need them in the stands policing themselves. I have a- I advocated for that last year when they all decided to get handsy and, and with touching Trey Young and whatnot. You know, I, I, I do not have any sympathy for fans who get it from players. I encourage yeah, you more players. Somebody come by and be like, flip them off, cuss them out, whatever you need to do. You got your goon They're squad to come in and say, there is no me and you. Okay. There is no me and you. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. I would say to Baker, if I were representing him, shut up, just, just <laughs> right. be quiet, because you're not doing yourself any favors here. The fact that no team at this point is willing to trade for you, and we can talk about the reasons why, beyond just football, we can talk about the financial, but the fact that no team is willing to trade for you right now, a former number one overall pick who plays the most important position on the field, should tell you that your stature within the league is not as good or, or, or as high as you might think it is. So just be quiet, go out and and prove yourself. And then if you wanna talk at that point, talk. But right now, you don't start popping off when you're at your low point, you know? It serves no purpose for you in terms of going forward. Two of our favorites right there, two of our brothers from another, Charles Robinson from Yahoo Sports, Jim Trotter from NFL Network, uh, chopping it up on you pod to win the game hosted by Charles Robinson on Yahoo in reaction to uh, Baker Mayfield on the uh, what was it that you never know podcast in which he decided to bear yeah. his soul. Uh, what if anything Charles is cooking on the Baker Mayfield front? Well, so it's, it's interesting what's going on right now. Um, I think Carolina, I think it was interesting because Carolina a few days back, um, had someone who I know very dialed in and he said to me, Hey, keep an eye out. It's going to leak um, tomorrow that Carolina now is probably leaning into one of the veterans. So either Baker Mayfield and and Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, The next day, a beat writer on uh, the Panthers beat came out and said, I think it's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo or, or Baker Mayfield. And it leads you to believe that there's there's a reason why Carolina is operating this way where where they're starting to let it leak out that they've gotten a chance to look at some of the rookie quarterbacks and might be leaning more back into the veterans. Given the time of year it is, I, I don't know what's true or what's not. I mean, like, are they doing that because they do have someone in mind at six and they're getting nervous that maybe a team might be inclined to move ahead of them at six for a quarterback that they may like. Um, Are they posting a flag up, which I tend to think this is the reason why I think Carolina, you kind of put that out there because you're attempting to motivate the Cleveland Browns and say, pay some of the salary already so we can get a deal done. Okay. Like we don't want to pay full freight on this guy. We don't want to owe him um, 18 million plus 
figure out how much of the salary you're willing to eat and let's let's talk about a late draft pick and, and get this thing done already um i saw that mary Kay cabot out of cleveland reported she thinks that you know caroline is the team with the inside track I, I would say that I agree with that um, because I think that Carolina, when you talk to people in that building, they're not necessarily afraid of the salary stack. They essentially look at Sam Darnold, who's making 18 million plus. They look at Baker making 18 million plus, and they're saying, okay, look, we have 30, I think they have about $30 million in cap room in April, mid April. Pretty convenient. <laughs> so they could add either uh, Jimmy Garoppolo or uh, Baker Mayfield. And you know, be able to stack that salary. So I, I just think Baker, when you compare it to Jimmy, Baker is the younger player with probably the the maybe a little bit less, a little bit more in front of him, a little more ceiling that maybe we haven't seen yet. Um, but I, look, it just comes down to, I think at this point, Cleveland telling teams, we're willing to eat a sizable portion of the salary, portion of the salary and take um, a pretty late pick to get this guy off our plate. I think that would probably move him a little more quickly now. All right, hey Charles, in the poker game, who's got the most poise? Baker, Carolina, Cleveland, in the front like the front office. Like who who's who's got the most poise right now? Because uh, part of me says, man, if I'm Andrew Barry, I got guaranteed money to Deshaun Watson mm -hmm. no matter what happens. Right. And I got this eighteen million dollar albatross on my books right now. Yeah, I think I'll be able to move him, but ooh. It's April. You're like, who, who's got the most poise? Well, I wouldn't say it's Baker because he's already spoken a, a couple of times here, okay? And his representatives have already spoken a couple of times, and I don't think that's necessarily helping to facilitate the process. And as Jim Trotter said, and Jim Trotter, man, you you have him on. He comes heavy every time, okay? <laughs> like, I, I love talking to Jim because Jim just cuts right to it. He's. I don't think Baker's helping himself by repeatedly airing you know, his feelings now before any trade is even completed. Like I could understand if a trade gets done and Baker says, okay, I'm going to go ahead and button up the whole Cleveland experience, be done with it, move forward with this team. You're not on your next team yet. So continue, continuing to air things out is just putting more information into the system right now at a time where it doesn't help facilitate a trade. Um, I think, I think in some respects, Cleveland probably has the best poker face here because the way Cleveland looks at this, and I don't think a lot of people have talked about this is, a lot of teams are out there saying, well, they're going to have to cut him. They're going to have to cut him because it's an untenable situation with the quarterback room right now. But when Cleveland looks at it, they say w the money's guaranteed. Like we owe him the money no matter what. Why would we cut him and give him, give him a shot to become a free agent out there and have to pay him anyway? We might as well just sit, wait and see if the market comes to us because we're on the hook for the money as it is. And if Baker wants to advance it out there and, and force himself off the roster, he could potentially do something to void that guaranteed salary. Okay. That is something that can occur. So if Baker says, I'm going to go scorched earth, Cleveland would say, okay, go ahead and go scorched earth because you could become, it could be considered conduct detrimental. And then all of a sudden we're talking about you voiding some of your $18 million uh, in plus in salary or, or maybe all of it. Um, so Cleveland, I think is, is like I said, just letting the market, you know, come to them a little bit here because they know at some point as the draft approaches teams, particularly Carolina, particularly Seattle, um, have to start making some decisions about how they feel about um, those young quarterbacks. And I'll give you one little quick example here. Something that could happen. I don't know. I don't have inside information here. I think Atlanta 
I think Atlanta really fought long and hard about taking quarterback last year. They ended up taking Kyle Pitts, right? Uh-huh. Now uh-huh. they've got Mark. Now they got Marcus Mariota, right? Um, that's not really. They don't know if that's really a long-term option. I I don't want to say there's been second guessing, but I would say that Atlanta has a piece of information in its mind now where they said, "Man, we passed on the quarterback last year." Um, Seattle is sitting there at nine, and there's this assumption that well, they'll take Malik Willis. I'm wondering deep down inside me, I'm wondering if maybe Atlanta low key could be a surprise. And I think it's going to be a top 10 filled with surprises. I deep down, I wonder if if Atlanta doesn't surprise everybody and take Malik Willis at eight. And then then all of a sudden you're Seattle and you're sitting there going, okay, wow. So this is it. Geno Smith and Drew Locke. That's, that's what we're going with. Like, or, or now we going to be pushed a little harder um, to make a decision here and maybe go after Baker whereas we haven't been inclined to do so up until this point. Gotcha. There's still a lot that can happen here. I'm, that's, I guess that's what I'm really trying to get to. Um, how far apart are Kyler and the Cardinals? Because, you know, Kyler's upset and claimed that he's not going to play without a new contract. What I haven't seen we've, seen, we've heard and seen a lot from his agent. What I right. haven't seen is like, what are, what are you asking for that they won't give you as opposed to just being simple, oh, they don't want to sign him long term. Well, that depends. What are you looking to get paid? I don't think it's a dime less than forty-five million. I'll be honest with you there. Like I don't, I don't think it's a dime less than forty-five million dollars. The Cardinals ain't feeling that. The Cardinals are like, no. nah, you ain't that guy. No, and I think you got to look at Cardinals ownership. Like I, I'll be completely honest here. If you ask me, is there a possibility? I would have told you a month ago, like, hey, there's no possibility they deal Kyler Murray at all. I think the what could change in this is that you know Cardinals ownership could sit there and go, okay, like this guy's not coming in. Um, he's he's serious and he wants forty five million dollars a year. And how do how are we going to approach that? And now we have a team sitting here going, hey, guess what? We'll give you three firsts, three seconds for Kyler Murray. What would you do at that point? Like if you're Cardinals ownership. And you're really, and it's really a monetary thing. You're sitting there going, "We absolutely cannot pay um, this guy forty-five million dollars. It's not happening. He is absolutely not coming in." And now we have someone sitting here offering us three first-round picks, three second-round picks. You know, is it possible? Is it possible Kyler Murray gets moved between now and the NFL draft, or on the doorstep of the NFL draft? I would have said one hundred percent no a month ago. I think the fact that Eric Burkhart, his agent, is really pushing this this hard at this point um, makes me believe that Eric Burkhart probably has a couple of NFL teams in mind that would offer a hellacious draft package, um, pick package for Kyler Murray, maybe players, and that's why he's pushing it the way he's pushing it right now. It's going to come down to whether or not ownership wants to pony up a, a $45 million APY market deal, and I just don't know that Cardinals ownership is is – that ownership right now. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. So if Kyler Murray gets traded, I, I wouldn't be su- surprised. This offseason, how could any of us say, wow, I'm shocked. Didn't see that coming. Of course, oh, man, we should have seen it coming. But how about some of these wide receivers, too? Uh, we see today that, hey, Devo Samuel, uh, doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't like his deal. He's probably not going to report. And then Terry McLaurin, okay, he doesn't like his deal. He's not going to report AJ Brown. AJ Brown. Which yeah. wide receiver? And then DK Metcalf. We don't know his situation. Which wide receiver? If you had to guess, 
the guy this guy's going to be traded definitely who's who is that um I would say I would say decaf DK Metcalf is is definitely someone that is potentially tradable um, by the Seattle Seahawks they just moved their quarterback okay and to me I don't know um depending on if if you're sure you've got a young quarterback in coming in and you're saying okay well we want we have to keep DK in the fold here because we have to we want to grow this young quarterback with DK then I could see him being less touchable I just don't know right now that the Seattle Seahawks absolutely have the quarterback in mind that they want to grow and move forward with um on that roster I don't I don't think that Debo is Debo is such an, a, a major part of that offense for the 49ers, given the versatility of things that he does both in the run game and the pass game. Such a tough player. I mean, he adds a ton to that offense's mentality. I would be shocked if the 49ers don't find a way um, to ultimately get that done with him. Um, who else did we mention? There was It was the other option that uh, to me. A.J. Um, Brown. Well, there's, there's, there's A.J. Brown. Brown and Terry McLaurin are all the ones that are, that are staying away from all season – McLaurin, I don't know who out there is willing to give, you know, the package and the money for, for McLaurin, honestly, um, not only from a health history standpoint, but also in terms of like on the field production. I don't know how many other teams are out there saying, Hey, yeah, this is like a 23, 24, $25 million receiver. Um, AJ Brown. That's an interesting one. Um, because, you know, like I said, I was at the owners meetings, you know, I listened to John Robinson say wide receivers making a lot of money. now." <laughs> you know, like clearly I think there's a, there's a um, pause right there with, with AJ Brown. And I do think he is a player that um, if, if they were to willing, willing to listen to, to trade offers, you know, like, like the jets, you tell me the jets wouldn't give up, you know, one of those top 10 picks for AJ Brown. They might, you know, because they're going to probably end up spending, I think probably that 10th pick on a wide receiver anyway. Um, and I think they would view AJ as a number one, a bona fide number one receiver. Um, so I, I guess out of that group, I would say I would probably keep an eye on AJ Brown just because the way I look at all the other, um, I just can't see Debo Samuel, the 49ers letting him loose. And, um, you know, if, if DK, I would put, let me put it this way. I put DK at the top. If they are not absolutely locked in on a young quarterback, then I would probably put AJ Brown. Then I put Debo Samuel third. I really wouldn't even put Debo Samuel on the list because I really don't think the 49ers are going to be willing to let him up. All right. Um, last thing for you. Um, this Brady, no disrespect, this Brady urban legend about <laughs> all the, all the, pieces that were in place for him to be owner and then a front office executive and then come out of retirement and then get his rights traded and he retired. Well, listen, yours, bruh, I will never disrespect your reporting. I'm just, I'm saying, I told this to Michael, it just feels like that's a hell of a lot that would have had to all fall into place and for him to retire in order to get that outcome only to unretire and play for the same freaking team. It's like, I don't know. It just, it just feels far. And then send Bruce but, Arians yeah. to retirement. Okay. And then, okay. and then, yeah. It, but then you, okay. but that's why you're you and you and you. Every time we see you, hey Charles, how you doing? Yeah. So okay. uh, tell me what's what, and and, and more important, okay. why to your point about your article on Yahoo that we're showing right now, 
why isn't it a bigger deal in the NFL when it comes to the clear tamp tampering that went on? I can answer all these questions. I can answer all these questions. Number yeah. one, Mike yeah. Florio, Mike Florio on your network, okay? Guy who's part of your they team. my network. Mike, I just Mike Wall. Here. You know, it's mine. <laughs> it is mine. I'll take it. I'll you're claim it. You're, you're on the same team, all right? I just <laughs> work here. <laughs> Mike Florio heard it, okay? Ben Volan, Boss mm -hmm. Glow heard it. Now South Florida reporters. No, he regurgitated what everybody else said. But go ahead. Now, hey, come but on, now get off bowling. Get off bowling, man. Like that's now, just disrespectful. Okay, no, listen. Now, 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 wait a minute. Now, now you have wrote. South. Now you have South Florida reporters out there saying mm -hmm. we heard it. Okay, I heard it. Yeah. Okay. Um, Which is enough for me. Now, now, now again, there's a lot of moving parts there. I agree. There are a lot of moving parts there. But here's the thing: Why are you not giving credence to the fact that? First and foremost, let's focus it through this prism. Brian Flores filed a lawsuit and said, hey, my owner tried to get me to tamper with a quarterback yes. on right. his yacht him on the boat. in the marina in yeah. Miami, and then later gets reported, oh, that's Tom Brady. Well, okay, yeah. well, if Stephen Ross was interested in Tom Brady then, why mm -hmm. does it not stand to reason that Stephen Ross wouldn't still be interested in Tom oh, Brady? I'm not saying later? you can't, no, saying you can't connect the dots. You didn't okay. even need a lawsuit for that. No, wait. You now, got the Michigan ties. You okay. got his boys in ownership. I'm okay. not doubting that. Sean Payton. Oh, they're interested in Sean Payton. They asked to talk to Sean Payton. Sean Payton's agent's Don Yee. Tom Brady's mm -hmm. agent is Don Yee. I, okay. Look, there's all a lot these of six degrees lot, of separation the, here. Yeah, whole lot yeah. of it, right? The, right. the Miami right. Dolphins, you know, all of a sudden they fire Brian Flores, and we're like, why is it taking so long? What's going on with their coaching search? We were on this show yeah. going, what is Miami doing? Why is, it, why is this taking so long? This is weird. Brady retires. And then, and by the way, didn't use the word retire. Okay. He did mm -hmm. not say I'm retiring. He said something along those lines. You know, he wasn't ready to commit the energy or whatever anymore. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it kind of floats around. But, but there's always this whole thing. You know, Jim Gray's asking him, Tom, are you retired? Like, are you saying you're retired? You're not coming back. Like, everybody's pushing him. We're like, why is he not being more definitive? What's going on? This is weird. So it kind of lingers out there for a long time. Um, and then all of a sudden he unretires and we're like, wait a minute, this wasn't even six weeks. Like it wasn't even six weeks. Like, like Peyton Manning's making jokes about sending him nice, nice gifts and how he wants his gifts back. Like, and, and so there, there was this big, like, why was this never answered? Well, then all of a sudden you start to factor in, wait a minute, Flores filed this lawsuit. Uh, there's all these factors in here. Like if this had really unfolded this way, they would have circumvented the Rooney rule. There would have been tampering. There's this multitude of different things that would have occurred, you know, for this whole thing to go down. There's, there's a lot of stuff that makes sense here. And um, the reason why the NFL would never investigate this, and, and this is a point I made in my column was, okay, if you investigate it um, and you prove Number, let's say, number one, the first tampering incident that Brian Flores claims happened, right? Well, if you prove that that tampering happened, you just prove prior to Brian Flores' lawsuit, which, by the way, you're named in Brian Flores' lawsuit, okay? Then, if you go further on down the line and you go, wait a minute, there's this other second element of tampering that also occurred. It means that Stephen Ross, the Dolphins owner, circum was aiming to circumvent the Rooney rule and mm -hmm. hire Sean Payton, Okay, which means you just proved another part of Brian Flores' lawsuit. So why would the NFL have any inclination whatsoever to go, hey, yeah, you're suing us? Let us do some of that work for you. 
let us go ahead and, and help you out there by investigating the situation and help prove a couple of things that are in this lawsuit, which then stands to reason. Well, if that's true, hmm, maybe other things in this suit that are being alleged also have a little more truthfulness to it than than the NFL would like to, you know, admit. Remember, there's no merit, no merit to that lawsuit. When you come out and say there's no merit, that means you're not going to go out and do the investigative work to prove that there's merit to that suit. So, I listen, I know you think it's urban le- legend. I know you think it's mythology. But let's go Charles, back and read it, one more. Charles, listen. if you said it, uh, you're, uh, you're, I trust your uh, Bro, we would be having you on here as religiously <laughs> as we do if I didn't swear by your information. So we can leave it there. We got we got to run. We got to get to our next guest. I, I just think it's a lot. But, hey, that's why you do what you do. At the, as well as anybody in the country. And that's why we love you. Because you be knowing. <laughs> so, so don't pay no attention so, to me. So I'm just here. back off that now. Now it's not. It's no longer urban legend. It, it, I'm saying I respect Charles Robinson. No I'm saying I respect. I'm saying I respect Charles Robinson. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying I respect Charles Robinson before I respect Charles Robinson before We're going to we're going to put a pin in it. We'll come back to this someday. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It'll be in Charles's book. I respect Charles Robinson's reporting. That's all I will say. All right, Jess. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Charles. All right, bro. You good. Honestly, I just went out there and tried my best to help my team. I mean, that's really what I do every single night. And, uh, you know, being aggressive, they told me that uh, I need to be aggressive in this series. And I try to, you know, start off fast for us. Yeah, he just he just doesn't play with anxiety. I, I you know that's why you love him. Uh, there's certain players like that. You know, there's not a lot that ruffles him. You know, um, got hit hard by an elbow today. I don't know why he was going to try to fight that guy. I don't think that would have gone well. But uh, you know, but he got up and you see everybody just telling him just be you, and he and he did that. So it was really good to see that though. Like get over it and keep playing. Uh, and I thought he did that. Michael Holly, if you're offering me mulligans today, I may want to take one already as we're joined by Sports Illustrated's Chris Herring on that 4-5 series in Eastern Conference yeah. because full disclosure, yeah. Chris, I was like, I think that the way the season ended, I thought that the Sixers winning the 4-5 matchup would constitute the upset as well as the Raptors were playing as much as the Sixers were struggling in specific areas. Now after one game and going into game two, no Scotty Barnes. I'm not sure what the latest is on Thaddeus Young and Gary, Gary Trick Jr., but even with Matisse Thibel not being able to play in Toronto, is it already looking bad for the Raptors after one game, or was it just that one game and not a sign of a larger uh, matchup issue with these two teams? I would have been willing to give the benefit of the doubt with just the one game. You know, everybody talks about feel out games and in game ones. Then you take the Scotty Barnes injury, which. I'm not necessarily going to say he's the most important guy they have, but when you talk about from a versatility standpoint, he's certainly one of the most important guys and one of the healthiest guys they had all year. Uh, Thaddeus Young matters to this team for a few reasons. From an offensive rebounding standpoint, he's a good passer. He brings some of the length that they use on defense for a really, really unorthodox sort of style of defense that they play. And Gary Trent Jr. is a huge part of their offense as far as just how well he shoots the ball. Uh, those three guys really matter to this team. And so I don't make that much of the game one loss, but when you take those three guys off the board, all of them are doubtful, by the way, to your question, aside from just Scotty Barnes for game two. Um, I worry a lot more, and I'm, I'm with you. I picked the Raptors in six. 
and I would no longer really stand by that one. Um, Nick Nurse may have tricks up his sleeve. He always does. He might be, you know, the coach that has the most tricks up his sleeve in terms of the sorts of junk defenses that he throws out there. But it's hard to feel really good about uh, how the Raptors played in game one, especially when you consider that they're not going to have three of these guys for game two. So Barnes has been ruled out and the Raptors out. They got outscored, but yeah, he's been ruled out. They got outscored by 10 when he was on the floor uh, in that 20 point loss. Go ahead, Michael. No, Chris, you picked the Raptors in six. I picked the Celtics in six. Mike Smith says, ooh, after watching that game yesterday, I'm not sure how you can say one team is, uh, has the edge over the other. How do you see that series, and how do you see the, uh, the the fourth quarter of that game? Well, at least you guys picked it in six. I, I picked uh, the Celtics in five, thinking, man, you know, Kyrie and, and KD are going to have to carry way too much of a load against a really deep team. Uh, that was a hell of a game. I mean, that might have been one of the best uh, series opening games I've ever seen. It it feels a little bit uh, unfair that it's a first-round game, although, you know, obviously a lot went into that and why that these teams are playing in the first round. An incredible ending. And I, I just think when I think about that game, I think about the last minute of it, really the last 45 seconds of it, and how much we kind of miss sometimes by having all the timeouts in these games that we do and, and how – kind of awesome it was to see Ime Yudoka just trust his guys, realizing that if I call a timeout here, I'm going to give the the Nets a chance to set their defense, to just make the stop on Durant, on Kyrie. Kyrie had nowhere to go um, on that last play that the Nets had. And, you know, the, the idea that Marcus Smart gets the ball with four seconds on the wing, has a relatively open shot, but decides not to take it, uh, is aware of the time on the clock, throws a, a pretty dangerous pass, to Jason Tatum that Tatum catches and then pivots around, spins around Kyrie Irving at the basket as time expires. It was pretty incredible the way it all played out. Just a great game one. Um, I feel like the Celtics could still win the series and and, and maybe five or six. Um, I think that was a pretty tough loss. Kyrie played really well, but uh, two, two teams that'll be really interesting to watch the rest of the way. What would you say, just stick, focusing on the Eastern Conference, um, and we've talked, you know, touched on two series already, but adding, you know, the heat completely mauling um, the Hawks and, uh, you know, probably I would say the ug- one of the uglier games of the weekend, but, you know, the Bucks surviving game one against the Bulls, uh, just Eastern Conference. Was there a particular performance individually or team for that matter that stood out above the rest uh, with only only one game? That's that's that, that, that's not an overreaction. That's actually, you know what, there's, there's some sustainability to what we saw here. Well, I think going back to what you, you asked me about first with the, the Raptors and the Sixers, look, Scotty Barnes really matters. Thaddeus Young really matters. Gary Trent Jr. really matters. But I think really the Sixers are maybe the hardest team to peg in all this. I think we know the Heat were looking pretty good to end the season. They've got some questions, but they look good. Um, we're not that worried about the Bucks certainly in this series against the Bulls. That was one game, um, which they could play a lot better, quite frankly. Um, and then the Nets and the Celtics, whoever advances, particularly if it's the Nets, you're going to feel really good about their ability to do more going forward. Um, I think the, the, the situation with the Raptors is interesting, though, just because I think there was potential there. There may still be, but really they are a team that was so hot at the end of the season that is so interesting and different with the way they play defense. They have so much size on offense. 
Um, and I do think that there was a real chance that what they were trying to do could work, that they were basically going to double, sometimes maybe even triple Joel Embiid. They were going to try to force the ball out of James Harden's hands and force everybody else to beat them. And then all of a sudden, Tyrese Maxey goes for 38. Uh, Tobias Harris, who struggled throughout multiple playoffs, goes for 26. When you give up 64, 65 points to just those two guys, and the Sixers shoot 50% from three, and they don't commit a turnover till the third, and they finish with 29 assists and four turnovers. Uh, it's a pretty hellish sort of outcome, let alone the injuries that came as well. So I do kind of feel like that turned a lot of stuff on its head because I think a lot of people really liked the situation that the Raptors were presenting, that they were doing okay. something different, and like also that. that we had questions about the Sixers. So the Sixers are interesting oh, now, all of a sudden, if they get through yeah. the series. Yeah, ahead, I, I know. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, you know, Chris, I know you already have the title New York Times bestselling author off of your book, uh, Blood in the Garden. Congratulations on that. But now, thank you. Uh, I'm going to give you another. I'm going to give you another title. I'm going to make you judge. I'm going to make you judge Herring. And, you know, going back to the garden, the other garden, TD Garden, last night. So Kyrie Irving says, hey, they started. So I had to go back at them. And, and if they're going to do that to me, I'm going to do that to them. We're supposed to be professionals, docile, all the stuff. We can't do it. If, if you're looking at the situation, do you put the blame on Kyrie Irving for responding? He should know better. Or do you look at the fans and say, hey, these fans shouldn't be sitting there throwing these vulgarities out at these players. Eventually, somebody's going to snap. How, how does Judge Herring see this situation? Man, uh, I, I feel like you're going to throw me off the bench because I'm probably not going to make a ruling, so to speak. But Kyrie, look, I'm not going to condone swearing at the players. I think the fan in me probably will say, go ahead, man. Like, they said it first. But at the same time, uh, you you know, this is somebody that uh, to some people, I guess, would be a role model. He did make a movie that, you know, kids could enjoy and all sorts of other stuff. He's one of the more popular players in the league, or at least was coming into this season. Um, so there's that part of it who, you know, is kind of, you know, swearing throughout his press conference, flipping the bird multiple times, whatever. But at the same time, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that people aren't trying to provoke a reaction out of the man where tempers are clearly inflamed, where the man had something thrown at his head. I think it was last, was it last year? Uh, the year before that, whatever it was. Um, so I'm not going to act like that stuff doesn't exist. I'm not going to act like Boston doesn't have. Um, sometimes a pretty nasty history when it comes to certain things, whether you want to tie it to race specifically or the fact that multiple people from multiple sports have said that this stuff is ugly. So I'm not going to, you know, I think it's a little bit more complicated than just saying who was right, who was wrong. I don't think Kyrie was necessarily right, but neither are the fans. And I think it's really interesting that when we see these interactions, a lot of times, including the video that people saw posted from behind him, uh, was it before the game or during the game? where he's flipping the bird behind his head, yeah. you almost never hear what's said on the other side of the camera. You just see the reaction. And I think is, that it's a little bit cowardly. And it, it, it shows you that yeah. they're too ashamed to say, show what they've said or what other right. people in the area have said, but you, they want to see the reaction Which to is kind why of I'm tell glad tale he, and to point a finger. I'm glad he used the words. 
at the press conference. And by the way, shout out yeah. to going back to elementary school. You know how you used to kind of like you scratch it. <laughs> you scratch your head with your middle finger. <laughs> he took it all the way back. He put two in the back of his head Not like he was right? six. I hadn't seen that one in a while. <laughs> <laughs> like he was six years old. Oh, man. Chris Harris, we appreciate you, bro. Thank you. No problem at all. Good to see you. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Just trusting myself, man. Uh, I love my shots. Uh, whatever shot I take, whether it's a step back tray ball or step back mid range or a floater or a lay, like whatever my shot is, I like it. Uh, sometimes coach may not like it, but I love my shots. So just trusting myself. Uh, he's a special talent. I think we all in this room know how special he is. He's shown it night in, night out. And um, when he's playing basketball at this kind of level, he, he's, he's, he's almost unstoppable. He is unstoppable, actually. I mean, I don't want to overreact to one game. You know how much I love the Grizzlies. We love the Grizzlies. The official Western Conference team of Brother from Another, I believe, Michael. But, That's right. But the Wolves, in particular, this killer Anthony Edwards. I, you know, I said when they had the controversy to, about them celebrating the play and win Vinny Goodwill, that it wasn't celebrating the end of something. They were celebrating the beginning of something. So now we see a playoff star being born in Anthony Edwards with those 36 points. What, if any, answers do the Grizzlies have for him? And how much of a problem is this dude about to be for the rest of the Western Conference's playoffs? Beware, because this guy may very well be the number three two-guard in the league next year. Like, I think he's on that high of trajectory that quickly. You see him, he's got a pro body. The game isn't too big for him. He can get any shot that he wants, and he's got the personality to be able to handle everything. Like if, if you notice, th this isn't this isn't something that feels like it's above his head. And I will say, say this, y'all, because I saw y'all with Jay and Don, that y'all were talking about lowering of standards and everything else. I dug the Timberwolves celebrating the I way that they did. That was only him for the record. Just that was him okay. being that old man yelling at clouds. We with you. Bring on the fun. Right, Michael? We were you. Go ahead, Vinny. That's right. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah, that, I, 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 like, I like that they recognize, hey, we've done something that this franchise isn't known for. And quiet as it's kept, the franchise player for that team is Anthony Edwards. No disrespect to Carl Towns. But I think it's time you start building that franchise around Anthony Edwards. And I think you have a completely different ceiling if he's your best player and he pans out the way that I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be an all-NBA player next year provided that he stays healthy because I, I don't know I just like the Ant-Man is just something to me man I I enjoy watching him play I like yeah. watching him talk like he's His like interviews a, are incredible too dude why hasn't the NBA figured out a way to put him in a campaign like I'll like I really really wonder how the NBA can let people like John Morant and Anthony Edwards sort of be hiding in plain sight 
And because the NBA yeah. doesn't have Nike to lean on as much anymore, I don't know if they've done as great of a job as being creative with marketing guys like this. Anthony Edwards and that bling should be on every billboard, on oh, every yeah. side of every building you know, around the league. You know what I think he is? You know what I think he is? Just talking about the franchise. I like what you said about the franchise and look, viewing it through the prism of Edwards as your centerpiece. He's just Jimmy Butler, but younger and gets along with Cat. He's Jimmy <laughs> Butler. He's the same type of killer. You know, he, like, he, he don't care. It was, like Between the lines, he don't care. He will come at you, you know? He may not fight you the way Jimmy Butler would, but I ain't, I wouldn't put it past Anthony Edwards. Well, that's <laughs> but I, I wouldn't want to go he, up against he, him, though. He's got that mean streak that, cla- that you know what I'm saying, that clashed with, mm-hmm. with Cap before. Mm-hmm. You know, that Butler was like, nah, you play too much. He's playful, but when it's time to handle his business, I don't know that there's uh, anybody well, that can stop this kid, Michael. Go ahead. Well, Vinny, uh, I want you to comment on that and also this, that last year, I think it was Grizzlies, Jazz, Jazz top seed. They lose that first game, and then the Jazz do. Then they win the next four, I think. Is, is this a, all right, Memphis just not ready to stand a flat-footed at the beginning of the series. They're going to bounce back and eliminate the Wolves, or we got a real street fight here? Oh, I think we have a real street fight, but I don't think that game one is a harbinger of how this series is going to play out. Like, when okay. I look at Memphis, I, I look at them, and I think they have enough equity with Desmond Bain and John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. and all those other guys. I think there's some strategic changes that they're going to make, especially with Taylor Jenkins, who I think is a really good and underrated coach. But you got to remember, they barely played the last two weeks of the season without John Morant. So there's a readjustment period, and it just so happens to be in high-stakes playoff basketball. Now, Dylan Brooks is, of course, we know the irritant, and I'm sure he's going to try to get under Anthony Edwards' skin. But maybe that's just the guy that you're saying, you know what? We can't stop you. Maybe we'll try to stop Cat. Maybe we'll try to shut down everybody else's water and see if Anthony Edwards can score 40 points because we focus so much of our defensive attention elsewhere. And not to put anything past Anthony Edwards scoring 40 points, but if you shut down everybody else, maybe that makes game two a little bit more palatable because all the pressure in game two right now is on Memphis. And if you look at that kid so big, so strong, so quick, you're not stopping him. You're not stopping him from getting to where he wants to go. From, from Smith, for your first question, what adjustments do they make? You really don't make an adjustment with a guy with that much talent. What you try to do is just make him think a little bit more. You maybe throw the yeah. shifting coverages. You maybe try to throw the playoff gauntlet at him. But honestly, y'all, I think we are watching a changing of the guard in terms of NBA playoff stars right before our eyes. Game once across the board seemed like it opened a lot of different eyes, especially mine across the league. Well, Let's go to pool uh, in Golden State. You said this wasn't necessarily a harbinger of things to come for the Grizzlies Wolves series. Felt like a harbinger of things to come for the Nuggets Warriors series. They, they played like that death, that new Death Star, that upgraded Death Star lineup with Wiggins and Pool and Draymond and Clay and stuff. Now that he's back, played like five minutes and it was twenty to six in five minutes or something like that. It looks like the Nuggets have no answers. My question: I know Michael has got the Suns by a mile in the Western Conference as well as the these playoffs. But if that's what we're getting from the Warriors, who's dealing with that? Well, my biggest question about Golden State is going to be a question, even if they play Phoenix, it's going to be their size. You know, the biggest thing that they had when they had Kevin Durant was that you could slide Katie to five and you could play Draymond mm. there and everything else. You don't have that. You don't have that size there anymore. You got a bunch of six, eight guys who can swing and interchangeable and everything else. 
and you're right. I, I think this series, I won't say it's going to be academic, but when you're when you're playing pickup and you've got Denver's roster and you've got Golden State's roster and we're just playing eight guys, how many Golden State players are you picking after you pick Nikola Jokic before you get to the next Nugget player? You know what I mean? Like, I think it's that wide of a talent gap if we're playing that game. And not to say that Jokic can't pull the game out of his behind because I do believe the best player can get you one. But what happens when that one game is Steph's explosion game? What happens when that one game is Clay's explosion game? And if you're spinning it forward, that's the concern when you're looking at a Phoenix series is that Steph can get you a game. Clay can get you a game. And even if Chris Paul can get you a game like he got you last night, is is his explosion the same as Steph or Clay's? So if you're looking at it from a Golden State point of view, I think I give them more than a decent shot to make this a series. I think a lot of people think Phoenix is just going to run a rough shot through the Western Conference. And with, and with Luka's injury in Dallas, I think there's a greater chance of that. But I would not discount Golden State, not at this point. All right. And, and let's, let's just uh, let's follow up on that because I was going to ask about Chris Paul and what he did uh, last night and kept looking over at Willie Green like, hey, Willie. You really you, you play with me, man. You gonna let me? You really gonna let me take these threes and hit three in a row, and then the game was over. But beyond that performance, I mean, we've seen Chris Paul do this before. I just want you to kind of uh, build on what you're saying there. Tough matchup for Phoenix would be Golden State, and it's just because of the roster, the way they play. Like, wh- why would that be a difficult matchup for for the Suns? I think it'll be the most difficult matchup in the West when you consider the experience, when you consider the star power, when you consider the fact that nobody on Golden State is going to be scared of the Phoenix Suns. Like, I think in some cases, you walk Which into an arena. I told you. Right. You you on walk the, into an the, arena. Good with Goodwill podcast. There, there, Sorry, you go. podcast, podcast no, there you go. Not a podcast video. No, there you go. There you go. There you go. And as a side note, I won't tell y'all who created the term death lineup in 2015, but I'll give you a hint that it wasn't either one of you. That's all I'll say. I won't tell you who created it. I'll just say it wasn't either one of you, but it was somebody on this here three box. On this I'll panel? Just say, so wait, yeah. so hold on. Don't lose your thought about the Warriors size matchup, but just to recap, mm-hmm. you had, you created death lineup and brought back the final the old school final script. We ain't even talked to you since that celebration. Congratulations on your contribution to society. So I know that's I, met, I know you guys were jumping on the table like Patrick Beverly the other day. We didn't get a chance to congratulate you, <laughs> but you were saying great death star in that you could retire. You were saying though, go to state. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the death lineup thing. I kind of created that by happenstance. Didn't even realize that I did until somebody told me. Yeah, that was you. That is one of those. So I didn't file a trademark. I wish I had. I'd probably be you know I'd probably be rich right now. You know what I mean? But to your lar- to your larger point though. I have que- I don't say I'll have questions about Phoenix because I think Phoenix plays truer to their character than anybody else in the league. But I wonder how high their elevator goes. You know what I mean? Like if everybody's playing their best, if they're taking everybody's best shot, if you're taking Golden State's best shot, and that means that Steph is hitting 35 or 40 points, how are you going to counter that with just your steadiness? What's, what happens when it requires that Devin Booker plays his best game and Chris Paul plays his best game? And I know, Michael Smith, you don't like me saying this. Well, what happens with Chris Paul every spring and summer? I mean, Ooh. okay, man. Wow. All right. Wow. You talk about injuries. Wow. You know? Yeah, I, it's, 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 here's the thing. It's not shade. 
I'm just saying that it's something that's happened more frequently than not. And he's had a lot of bad luck through his career. But the older you get, you don't get healthier. And not to say that you bank or you count on that, but if we're trying to project what it's going to look like in May and June, we can't discount. That's almost like Anthony Davis. Yeah, Anthony Davis is going to play a full 82 games. When, where, who? You have to almost similarly ask that question about a guy like Chris Paul, as dangerous as he is, as historic of a point guard as he is. So, check it. Um, before we get you out of here to go uh, give your the rest of your Easter Sunday sermon, you look really good, though. Seriously, what, you, what, what game are you going to? You said you're going to the arena. Which way? What game are you going to tonight? Where are Philly, you? Philly, Toronto, Game Two. Where, of course, Philly oh, fans good. are always mad at me for one reason or another. Why? Why they mad at you now? I wasn't going to ask you about that. Why they mad at you now? What you do? They're mad because they don't say? read. That's all. They're mad because they don't read. They, they, no, they, they mad because they... you say stuff like they don't read. I was gonna say, wow, <laughs> what a big statement. I didn't say they mad because they didn't don't say read. They, what did, I didn't what say did you write that they read. didn't read? Okay. I didn't say right. they, they, they can't read. read. They just I chose not they, to. They don't read. What you, did you write or tweet that they didn't read and, and comprehend the process? Well, there were two things, and Philly fans for, for Philly fans to be so tough, they real sensitive. There was a moment where they brought a fan out there. And during one of the timeouts to make a free throw and a three-point, and he was going to get courtside seats. You know, regular Joe Schmo, right? He doesn't hit a free I think he hit one free throw, but he didn't hit a three-pointer. And they booed him like it was showtime at the Apollo. Like, they could have brought their asses out there and hit a three-pointer and a free throw. I, I won't say it was, it was – I won't say classes. And I just thought it was funny. So when I tweeted it, they got all sensitive and then their feelings. So they, I felt like it was in the, in the middle of a Drake song. On Saturday, with the way that my mentions was blown up. Ah, uh, okay, and, all right. And and okay. and Michael Smith, I've written that you know James Harden. People call James Harden the dribbler. I called him the spectator because he did not get in the way of Tyrese Maxey scoring thirty-eight points the other night. He set him up. He didn't try to, you know what I mean? But they looked at it and said, you called him the spectator. What are you saying? He averaged, he had 14 assists. I'm saying no, he I'm had, giving him, yeah. I was giving him a compliment. Him credit. Yeah, yeah. But they you don't got to get out the way. Well, um, I, 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 I could appreciate that. I also think that it's got, it's some Detroit Philly thing going on. Like, you know, y'all, y'all ain't tough. I'm from Detroit. Like, I get it. That's okay. But before we let you go, though, we got to, we got to get you out of here. Motown Philly. Uh, Motown Philly. Come on. Your the bat, the finalists came out for MVP, Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Coach of the Year. Would you mind indulging? Because I think the last time we talked to you about these major awards, uh, you had not had to cast your ballot. And it went down to the wire. It was the same day. To the last possible second. Was it that day? It was that Friday? Day. It was that day. So how'd you? Yeah. And just the major ones, just MVP, Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, even Coach of the Year, if you want to throw that in, real quick. How did you end up voting? If you if you could share. I'll say this. I did not vote for the player who's going to wind up winning the MVP. I did vote for the coach that I think is going to win coach of the year. Not sure about rookie of the year because that can go a million different ways. And my criteria for rookie of the year was a little bit different. But yeah, and I'm being being a little cryptic. But um, I think for most improved, I think I picked Tyrese Maxey, which doesn't make a lot of sense considering I hate everything Philly, right? You know, that's Philly. And thinks def- I hate and what about defensive player of the year? Because Rudy Gobert said if it was anybody else had my season not named Rudy Gobert, they'd be defensive player of the year. Did you who'd you vote for there? I think I voted for Marcus Smart. 
And okay. even though he got ripped a new one by Kyrie Irving yesterday, ripped an entirely new one. I think Marcus Smart right. was a catalyst for something in Boston. I think that's going to be something that's sustainable for this playoff run, at least. Yeah. All right, so we're going to let you go off that. But so you're not going to tell us. So you voted for the. You did not vote you for never the person said who, who you who's thought the MVP? you think who's is going to get Embiid it. Or Giannis? So, Embiid no, or I think he voted for. I think he voted for Giannis. I think he voted for Giannis. I think he voted for the best player in the NBA that he knows because we talked about it. The buildup was there, right, Vinny? Is that am I right? You voted for Giannis. You you're you are using a correct logic. I'll say that you're using the, the correct logic. Exactly. The guy that's the guy that he knows my thing. Here's my thing. You don't want a, you thing. don't want a guy that's gonna be that's gonna get his MVP and be going after the first round the way Nikola Jokic is about to be. Is that right? And not and not just that. I I need to vote for a guy. Historically, the MVP has always been a player on a team of consequence. Okay, it has to be you a team of consequence. A, a, you are clearly a journalist of consequence, Mr. Death Star and Finals. Final script, baby. We are back. Enjoy the game. Tell Philly, tell Philly we said what up. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a this summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Mike, a week from Thursday, we will be in Vegas uh, for day one and two of the NFL draft. I don't know if you've been keeping up with these mock drafts, man, but, you know, I can't get enough. Cannot get enough. And obviously... All eyes, as usual, on where these quarterbacks are going to fall. Um, and interestingly, you know, franchise in need of a quarterback, one of the flagship franchises in this here league, one mock draft, this is from The Athletic, has our next guest, Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati, going. And Desmond Ritter has been making the rounds with all the usual suspects that, uh, that need quarterbacks, short and long term, whether that's visiting with the Seahawks, whether it's visiting with the Steelers, I just mentioned, the Panthers. The Colts most recently went and worked him out. Um, he is a popular guy, as you might imagine, for somebody that's got a sterling 44-6 and record at the University of Cincinnati and put up 116 total touchdowns and went undefeated at home. And Desmond Ritter makes the time to join brother from another now. Um, it's so good to see you, man. But not only are you an accomplished quarterback from the University of Cincinnati and some lucky franchises, future quarterback, but most important, you are Layton's dad. Your daughter Layton turns a year old tomorrow. Michael and I are proud fathers. Uh, as you probably know by now, the days are long, but the years are short. You look up and they're asking you to go out, you know, and hang out with their friends. What's your favorite part about, a fa- about fatherhood a year in with beautiful young Layton? Uh, I think, you know, coming home, um, no matter how your day goes, um, when you come home, um, she's always got a smile on your face. So uh, whether that was in season and, uh, you know, I, I took a rare loss or uh, come home from work and maybe had a bad day, whatever it may be, um, she has no clue what goes on during the day. Um, but, you know, when I come home and a smile on her face, uh, it just makes me happy. So um, just seeing her just, just being as happy as she could be, uh, it just makes me put a smile on my face. 
That's awesome, man. We definitely can relate to that. Let me ask you this. Like, how much is Leighton or even what else? What else are you doing? I know how I'm, I'm obsessed I am with the draft process. I know how obsessed Michael Holly is with the draft process. How do you kind of like block out all the reports, the rumors, the speculation, the mock draft? Everything's everybody, everybody projecting where you might be spending the next few years of your life. How do you just kind of keep your cool and, and not drive yourself crazy during the longest job interview known to man? Yeah, just put your head down and work. Um, and then, you know, like you mentioned before, I, I've been on all these visits um, and, and they kind of tell you the same thing as far as from the coaches, the owners, the GMs. Um, they say, you know, don't look at any of those reports. Uh, don't look at any mock drafts. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, they just push those out there for people to see. Um, but, you know, not all the times do they know exactly what they're talking about. Um, so, you know, just keep your head down, focus and keep working how you've done uh, to get you where to where I'm at right now. So, you know, it's been really easy for me to, to just go down and just work. You know, Desmond, when, when these teams call you at, at this point, here we are a week from the draft, uh, pr pretty much a week away from the draft. You know what the process is. They're going to ask me this, these kinds of questions. I'm going to have to do this. What's your favorite part of the process when you work out for a team? What do you just say? Okay, I love this part. Um, obviously, you know, the, the football part of it um, is obviously, you know, the most fun of being able to go out there and throw with your teammates and this and that and put on a good workout. Uh, but, you know, what I think is pretty entertaining is uh, going over the installs in the meeting rooms um, and just showing how quick, you know, I can pick up and retain information um, and spit it back to them. And, you know, it not only lets them see how, how well I can retain information, um, but it also lets them know, you know, my knowledge of the game, my IQ of the game, uh, which I think is pretty high. Um, and so sometimes, you know, it, it's nice to almost see, you know, sometimes they look shocked sometimes or, uh, you know, maybe they didn't expect it. And so uh, that, that's always a, a really fun part of mine when I go on these visits, do these workouts, um, is just getting in those meeting rooms and showing what I have to offer off the field. Just that, that quick recall, just being able to give it back to them. Where would you say you learned that ability or, or, or honed that ability to do that? Um, I would just say kind of over time. Um, and then obviously coming into the college level, I would say that's when it definitely started to pick up. Um, coming off to the sideline, talking with my position coach, Gino Baduli, um, being able to recall, you know, maybe an eight or maybe a, a 16 play series, just kind of going through it with him uh, after every single drive that we came off the field. Um, and, you know, I think that's really where I honed in on it. Um, it was definitely these past three or four seasons with Coach Gino. Um, and, you know, I feel like I've done a great job. And, and then also I feel like preparation uh, helps a lot with that as well. Just, you know, understanding and knowing what the defense is doing. Um, so it makes it that much easier when you're out there on the field. Uh, pardon us for a moment, Desmond. Michael, I'm sure you've read his, his scouting reports. Back in our Madden 2004 franchise mode days, <laughs> were we talking about a quarterback that's talk about his maturity, his intelligence, his confidence, his competitiveness, he's a winner, his experience, how he processes things, how he you know establishes the culture. Back in the day, we just said, yo, he's coming with us. He's coming, he's coming, coming to be, he's coming to play with us. That was our phrase. So he's coming with what, us. What, he's coming right, with we, us. We had drafted you in a second. Like just just based off of that alone, just off your resume and your intangibles alone, let alone your your physical attributes. But I'm wondering, I want to turn the tables a little bit, Desmond. Obviously, you don't get to pick where you're going. That's the nature of the NFL draft. But when you're talking to teams, what are you looking for from them? What do you want to hear? What 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 are you what are you 
trying to get out of a franchise in terms of why it would be the right fit for you. We know what you bring to the table. What are you looking for in this job interview? Yeah, just the connections, um, connections between, you know, not only myself and the head coach, um, but with the OC and the quarterback coach. Um, and then, you know, that, you know, also to know that, you know, there might be a couple of veteran guys there, whether that is at the quarterback position uh, or, you know, the wide receiver position or anywhere along the offensive uh, side of the ball um, that, you know, that you can go in there and truly learn, um, you know, what it takes to be an NFL player, what it takes to have longevity um, and how to be, you know, one of the best. Obviously, the vets are uh, have been there for a long time. And, and that's, you know, where I see myself in, you know, years to come. Um, and so, you know, when I go in these meetings and I go on these teams um, and just making sure that, you know, I'm making the best connection that I can with these coaches and, and just understanding their personalities and how they go about their things, how they go about their game plan. Uh, I think that's huge for me. I'm just trying to think, how how did you process this? I mean, it's just, uh, and Michael read it earlier, like how you haven't lost, a, you didn't lose a game at home. Okay, what, what was that like? I mean, you just... <laughs> You just got to the point like, hey, I don't care who the opponent is. They're not coming in here. They're not beating us. Just just what was that like knowing that that's a part of your story and the story of your of your teammates? Yeah, and, and no, that, that's what I, when I talk about legacy, um, that, that's what I wanted to leave as well. Um, and, you know, as, as the University of Cincinnati and a football team, every, you know, offseason program conditioning, uh, we have to run the stadium steps for uh, seven times. Um, and we do seven times for seven home games, six regular season games. And then we always say uh, the championship game is going to be at home because uh, we're going to be first in our conference. So we're always running um, seven stadium steps. And um, we call protect the nip. Uh, nip would obviously be in the stadium. But, you know, when, when we know that someone's coming in there um, to take whatever we have, we know that we have to give it our all. Um, and like you said, you know, it started out season one. OK, we didn't lose any um, season two. Um, you all, we have to keep it the same. Um, and then all the way up through season four, you know, obviously then you start to hear uh, <clears throat> about the, the record of being undefeated at home and everything. Um, and then now it just kind of comes second nature. Um, obviously losing it is something that we did, you know, very seldomly. Um, so we don't like to do that or want to do that. And especially at Nippert, um, that's somewhere where we feel sacred and where we feel obviously at home. Hey Desmond, last thing uh, before we get you out of here, man. We appreciate the time again. Like based off of everything that's been written, said, uh, and even just this impression of you through this conversation. Clearly, you're a guy that you know not only are going to help a, a team at the quarterback position, but just going to be the type of guy you want as part of your program. You want him in your locker room. I wonder how and why has your leadership style been so effective? Uh, throughout your playing career and how will you continue to grow as a leader uh, even at a young age once you join an NFL franchise? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, part of my leadership style comes from just being adaptive, being able to adapt to, to different people from different places. And, you know, that's kind of how I grew up, obviously, with a, a younger family, um, you know, seeing a lot of different people from a lot of different places and having to kind of adapt quickly. Um, and, and then that kind of just transitioned into, you know, middle school ball and high school ball. And then obviously through college, um, just to be able to go into a locker room and, and be able to gel with players so easily, teammates, coaches so easily. Um, and so for me, you know, that's something that one, I take pride in. And, and two, that kind of just comes naturally. Um, but, you know, obviously, you know, I, I think this, this next step, obviously, into the league is, is a challenge. And I'm always excited for a new challenge. Obviously, the physical aspect of it, the mental aspect of it. Um, as far from the quarterback position, 
Um, but then also, like we're talking about the, the leadership aspect of it, to be able to go out there and, and now lead grown men who could be uh, 10, 15, 20 years older than you are, um, rather than where it was, you know, you know, as, as a freshman, I was had guys that were only four years older than me. Um, and then, you know, as a senior, having guys four years younger than me. Um, so, you know, like I said, I, I love a challenge, obviously my competitive nature. Um, and so when I look at this and I look at the next step um, and I look at my future, I look at it as a challenge. Um, and, you know, I'm always ready to compete, and I think I'm going to win that challenge. Well, you've risen to everyone so far, man. Hey, congratulations. One-year-old Leighton tomorrow, special day uh, in the Ritter family. And, uh, hey, man, congratulations. And uh, can't wait to see where you end up and, and what you do moving forward. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Man. Anytime. You have to come back after your, your draft status is settled. Yes, sir. That sounds good. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. You know, Mike, I've always said, you know, one of the things that stands out to me about Bill Belichick is how much he's into the job. And that's saying something. He's the only guy uh, in NFL history who has done the same job, who's been in the league for, four, I think it's 47 now, 47 consecutive number, years. Yeah, 47. Yep. He's been in football. And so Past he, Dick LeBeau, he, I think he left. Was. Yeah, he left Wesleyan University. And then started coaching and he has not stopped. He hasn't taken a break. Hey, you know what? I'm just going to have a little bit of a sabbatical. Uh, I'm going to get my mind together. I'm going to do a little TV for a while. I'm going to spend some time over here. No, he has been coaching all the way through since 1975 starting in 1975. So we bring this up because Bill Belichick is 70 years old and I got into a conversation uh, debate uh, disagreement violent violent disagreement violent uh, with disagreement. somebody recently. Yeah. Um, yeah, just a, a play off of your phrase. We violently agree. You said somebody said that to you. Well, we, I, I violently dis. You said that. See, somebody said to you, we we we, we violently agree. So we oh, violently okay. disagreed on Belichick, his ability to do the job at 70 years old. I have no question that he'll continue to be successful because he's done it in his 40s, won a Super Bowl in his 40s, won two Super Bowls in his 50s. And won three in his sixty. So yeah. happy birthday, Bill Belichick! Turned seventy years old on uh, on Saturday. And he still connects with players. Most important, right? He what? He still connects with players. Oh yeah, like I mean, old, that's the thing, yeah, right? I mean, that, right? And that's that's what that allows him to maintain that longevity. You know what I mean? The game hasn't passed him by, and he can still connect with the modern player. Happy birthday, Bill! That's right. Relationships. It's all about relationships. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.